This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Hello, folks, and welcome back to the show. It's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. For those of you who might be tuning in to us for the first time, I'm a family psychologist, uh, the author of about 20 books on this thing we now call parenting, which I will talk about in just a minute, and also the writer, author of a nationally syndicated newspaper column, the longest-running syndicated column in America written by one author continuously. That's a mouthful, but that's the actual status of it. It appears in about 250 newspapers around the country, and I am a public speaker. I go around the country and talk about this thing called parenting. Parenting. Where did that word come from, anyway? It's an odd word. It was created by adding ing to a noun, thus creating an illegitimate verb, which has since, by virtue of the fact that it is uh, part and parcel of the common vernacular, become semi-legitimate. The first time the word was used, to my knowledge, now some people have said, no, that wasn't the first time, but to my knowledge, this uh, is the first time the word was used, was in 1971 by a psychologist named Fitzhugh Dodson, who published a book which became a bestseller titled How to Parent. The book did so well that Dodson's publisher had him follow up several years later with How to Father, how to parent, how to father. So now we have parenting and fathering and mothering. We don't have marriaging, which is very interesting. We don't have wifing. We don't have husbanding. And that's significant, folks. That's not accidental that we have turned child-rearing nouns into verbs, but we have not turned marital nouns into verbs. The significance of that is that in today's family, the child is regarded and the parenting of the child is regarded as more important than one's relationship with one's spouse and the improvement of the marriage. And folks, that is a fact. And that is a fact not only in the secular community in America. It is a fact in the overwhelming number of Christian families or ostensibly Christian families, again, where the relationship between parent and child is more active than and seems to be more important from the parent's point of view than the relationship between husband and wife. I think it is a given in the typical American family, secular or Christian these days, that uh, husband and wife talk more to the children on a daily basis than they do to each other, are more courteous toward the children, purposefully courteous, 
than they are toward one another, seem more interested in what the children are doing than in each other's lives, and so on, and so on, and so on, and so forth. Fitzhugh Dodson, by the way, the psychologist who wrote the book How to Parent, in 1971, when he wrote the book, he was one of a handful, if that, of child-rearing traditionalists left in psychology, but his titles were nonetheless quite progressive. Since his first book attained bestseller status, parent became a verb, as did parenting. So now people parent, and they do parenting. I asked my mother once, I said, Mom, and my mother passed away five, six years ago at the age of 86. She would have lived a lot longer had she not uh, had a habit, almost lifelong, of smoking. But I asked my mother, who was of sound mind until she fell into the inevitable coma a week before she took her last breath, Mom, what what was uh, what did you call uh, raising me? What did people call raising children, bringing up children? What did they call it? Was there a a word used to refer to that process? She thought for a moment and said, uh, oh, "We really didn't call it anything. We just did it." Which I thought very interesting. Very interesting that uh, her answer reflected to me from my point of view that this was regarded, this thing we now call parenting, was regarded back then in the 1950s as we no longer regard it, and that is as something relatively simple, done straightforwardly, commonsensical, non-complicated, and certainly non-psychological. People back then believed that God had written on our hearts a set of instructions, and also given us a set of instructions in Scripture, his word, concerning how he wanted us to raise his children, and that uh, those instructions were sufficient to the proper raising of a child. And, by the way, they are. The term parenting implies something technological, and indeed, Parenting is definitely a very different thing than just raising kids. The word parenting implies that it's a technology, a quasi-science, that it's something that you have to apply yourself to in a very strenuous, dedicated, and focused fashion. So today's parents, they think a lot about their children. They do a lot for their children. They talk to their children a lot. They include their children in things that would have been exclusively adult activities uh, 60 years ago. They take children with them to adult social events, etc., etc., etc. Looking back, I, I rarely got the impression that my parents were thinking about me very much at all. And in fact, on the rare occasion when I noticed they were thinking about me, I got scared. Today's parent believes that they need to be highly involved with their children, that that high level of involvement, in fact, defines good parenting. When I was a child, my job was to keep my parents from getting involved, and I quickly learned that the way to keep my parents from getting involved was simply to obey the rules, do the right thing, do my chores without being reminded, 
do my best in school, behave my best in school, and so on and so forth. Not that I always did those things, which is why I learned that I did not want my parents to get involved. When my parents got involved with me, things, generally speaking, did not go the way that I wanted them to go. My life was encumbered when they got involved with me. My freedoms were curtailed when they got involved with me. Paradoxically, raising a child is both a huge responsibility mostly to one's neighbors. In other words, as I say many, many times on this program, proper parenting is an act of love for your neighbor. And it is also a simple and common sense process. When it becomes, it becomes difficult, arduous, and exhausting when one reads parenting books. And this is an ironic thing for me to say. I'm, I've written 20 of them. Magazine articles, newspaper columns. How's that for irony? These materials, with rare exception, mine, I, I pray, I really do, I pray that this is not the case with my books and my newspaper column and my public presentations, but the overwhelming majority of these books, articles, etc., etc., lend to the impression that child-rearing is parenting, and parenting is a discipline a technology, as I said earlier, a quasi-science to be mastered. So today's mothers read parenting books in an ongoing effort to perfect their parenting and, by extension, perfect their children. Dads, by and large, do not read parenting books. They're not trying to perfect their parenting or their children. That's important, very important, in fact, to understand Moms are trying to accomplish immaculate parenting. Dads are not. And that greatly bothers a lot of moms, by the way. Immaculate parenting, of course, will produce the ideal child, or at least this is the thought process, one who makes straight A's, makes it into the gifted and talented program, earns the bumper sticker, wows adults from an early age with his knowledge and insights and never ever gets into trouble for doing a bad thing. These children don't do bad things anymore. You may have noticed that because bad things don't fit the narrative. They simply make unintentional mistakes called bad choices, which they never ever mean to do. These bad choices are made like uh, someone might choose the wrong square or the wrong door on a game show. In this regard, a pastor once told me, he said, John is a Southern Baptist pastor. Everybody in my congregation knows they are sinners. They just can't accept that where their children are concerned. Mothering, which is the female form of parenting, is very, very hard work. Mind you, raising children is not hard work, but mothering, well, that's a horse of a different color, folks, for sure. The mothering mom is in constant child-oriented motion because to risk, to slow down is to risk the possibility that one of the plates she is spinning will begin to wobble and come crashing down, and that simply will not do. Mothering is all about work, 
it is in fact today a works-based quasi-religion. Mothers who mother even work at loving their kids. Everything about mothering requires great mental or physical energy or both. And that, folks, is the simple reason why today's mothers complain of being so stressed. I'll be back in a moment after this break. Stay with us. This is Because I Said So with John Roseman. Hey folks, welcome back to the show. Hope you're enjoying it as much as I always enjoy doing it. The show is called Because I Said So, which of course you may recognize as one of the parenting maxims or aphorisms of an earlier but not so long ago parenting age. It wasn't even a parenting age, it was a childrearing age, it was just a bringing them up age. It was a non-technological, non-scientific time and it was a great time to be a child in America. Uh, Believe me, a much better time to be a child in America from all accounts and all of the statistics than is today. Today's child by age 16 is 10 times more likely than was a child in the 1950s by age 16 to experience a serious emotional setback in the form of debilitating depression, debilitating anxiety, phobias, etc., 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 It is a tragic thing that has happened in the raising of children in America, and this tragic thing I pin on my profession, psychology. I think psychology has caused more problems for the American family, parents, children, marriages, schools, communities, culture, than psychologists even know how to solve. Are they evil? No, but you can, in fact... Do the work of the serpent without yourself actually being an evil individual. You can be co-opted. And as I say in my best-selling, if I don't mind telling you, book, Parenting by the Book, I believe that psychology is, not psychologists, but the profession, the worldview, the theology of psychology, and it is a secular religion that you believe in by faith is, in fact, a manifestation, a current manifestation, contemporary manifestation of the serpent, whose job is always, and this is what psychology does, to persuade us that God is lying and may not even exist, in fact. So everything in childrearing today is complicated. Stuff that parents 60 years ago wouldn't have regarded as complicated at all is extremely complicated. And today's parents are extremely confused. And why are they confused? They're confused because they consume, and especially the mother, especially the mother. Sorry that I'm not being politically correct. Actually, I'm not. That was a lie. Why is she confused? Because she reads. She reads parenting stuff. So here's a question about confusion from the mother of a five-year-old. Over the past year or so, our five-year-old has developed an extreme fear of going to the doctor or dentist. This came on suddenly without a precipitating incident. The crying begins when we arrive at the appointment. When the doctor or nurse tries to examine him, he goes bonkers, screaming, hitting, kicking, flailing about. He has to be held down for something as simple as looking in his ears. 
Otherwise, he's a normal little boy, occasionally disobedient, mischievous, but nothing at all serious. This last visit, I decided to punish him afterwards by not giving him what I had promised him if he would be good, and I also sent him to his room when we got back home. Is this something I should treat as any other behavior problem? Should I punish it? I'm really confused. Uh, Yes, you are. Uh, Here is a characteristic of contemporary parents, parenting, uh, this thing we call parenting. Parents ascribe validity to a child's emotions. In other words, parents believe that a child's emotions, all of them, all of the child's emotional output means something significant. When it says clearly in Scripture that a child's emotional output is, generally speaking, not significant, read Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: Foolishness, folly, is, and the next word's very interesting, bound, almost like imprisoned, in the heart of the child. In Scripture, the heart is the organ of emotion, which, by the way, Jesus says is the source of all evil, or all manner of evil. When you ascribe significance to a child's emotional output, you step deeply into quicksand. And I'm not saying that Every single feeling is illegitimate. Every single feeling or emotion on the part of the child is illegitimate. But you have to be discriminating about this, and today's parents are not. So here's my answer. Whether the behavior in question, these so-called fears, are really fears or not, is open to question. With children, and even adults at times, one cannot accurately judge the book of emotion by the cover. Children, and some adults, are drama factories. So sometimes what looks like a fear can be a form of rebellion or narcissism. One thing is certain, your son is trying to exercise control over his health care appointments. Given that there was a no obvious precipitating incident, B, that your son is not generally fearful or rebellious, and C, that his, quote, fearful, unquote, behavior is not part of a larger fearful pattern, I would approach this as if it was a behavior problem. Rebellion. Before I describe a tactic that has proven to be successful in other so-called fearful situations of this sort, even specifically fears of doctors and dentists or supposed fears involving children around your son's age. I need to tell you two things. First, offering a bribe for good behavior isn't going to work. You've already discovered that. Furthermore, offering a bribe for good behavior is likely in the long run to be counterproductive. You certainly do not want your son to begin demanding goodies in return for obedience. Demands of that sort tend to escalate over time. What begins as, I want an ice cream cone for doing what you want me to do, is likely, and rather quickly so, to turn into, I want a trip to Disney World. 
Second, your confusion over this is preventing you from acting authoritatively. You are confused because you don't know whether to ascribe validity to this or not. Well, there is no validity to it. He's kicking and screaming and yelling and uh, crying and, you know, as you put it, going bonkers, uh, even when the doctor is doing something that does not cause pain, like looking in his ears. This is drama. This is not legitimate. This is inauthentic and should be treated as such. As a consequence of your confusion, you're trying to persuade and nudge your son and bribe into being a good patient. Well, I need to tell you, getting over this hump is going to require the exercise of force. I'm not referring to anything physical, mind you. Rather, I'm talking about using a form of what I call the Godfather Principle, making your son an offer he can't refuse. For the benefit, by the way, of younger listeners, some, not all, I'm making reference to a famous line from the film The Godfather. The Godfather offer in question, tell your son that until he fully cooperates with a doctor or dentist appointment, he will enjoy absolutely no privilege, be confined to his room after supper, and go to bed one hour early. Privilege, by the way, includes any and all after-school activities, birthday parties, sleepovers, play dates, toys, television, and any purchases, including clothing, over and above what is simply absolutely necessary. No treats, no desserts, nothing. And after dinner, he goes to his room and he remains there until bedtime, which is one hour early. The one hour early bedtime is for the purpose of relieving his boredom. In order to restore his privileges, your son has to say to you, Mommy, I am ready to go to the doctor and be a good patient. At that point, you make an appointment with the doctor or the dentist. If he displays any resistance whatsoever on the way to or at the appointment, take him home immediately. And you probably, you know, need to work with the doctor on this. You need to tell the doctor in advance what you're doing so that there are no surprises here, so that the doctor understands what may otherwise look like rather unusual behavior on your part. Take your son home immediately. Just say, well, this isn't working, is it? So we're going home. And by the way, don't let your son jump back and forth across the line of obedience at that point. If he says, okay, 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 I'll, I'll be good, I'll be good. Say, no, we're going home. Take him home. Confine him to his room after dinner. Remove all of his privileges. In other words, reinstate his Spartan standard of living and just wait. Just wait. Just wait for him to come to his senses and make the proper decision. It may take a week. It may take a month. So be prepared to hang in there with an attitude of nonchalance. Folks, the person who has the emotional monkey of the problem on their back will try to solve the problem. The emotional monkey belongs to your child. And in fact, the only person who can solve this problem is your child. Make this your son's problem, and he will solve it. It'll take some time, but he will do it.
And by the way, the solution to this problem will set a very valuable precedent in your relationship with your son, one that will benefit you both for a long time to come. Well, this is the fastest uh, 30 minutes in uh, radio. Uh, That brings us to the end of the show. I'm John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So. I'm on American Family Radio around the country every Saturday at 6 o'clock Eastern, 5 o'clock Central. I hope you've enjoyed it. And I do hope that you join us next time.